Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you in the house of worship on this beautiful Saturday morning. And this is the day the Lord has made. Can you say amen? amen. And we will rejoice. And that means we have a decision to make today, right now. We can choose to be happy and rejoice, or we can choose to be a grouch. <laughs> so look at your neighbor and say, I choose to rejoice. Okay? All right. And a merry heart, a merry heart always does good like a medicine. So we always laugh when we come to church. And if you can't laugh with me, then I promise you, you can find something to laugh at me. And that's okay. I'm a good sport. I promise. But again, we do welcome you today to worship, and it's a good place to be. We're going to begin with prayer, and we have a few names that have been given to me this morning for uh, Brandon Durding, who has been severely injured in an industrial accident, for Dr. Bryson Weiniger, for Catherine McMurray, that is the sister of Janice Baxter, one of our members here, and also you might remember Judy Krieger. It's their sister, Catherine, who is gravely ill at this time. We continue to pray for Waylon, who came home from the hospital a few days ago. We pray for Brandy Cook, who is still dealing with MS and recently spent a bit of time in the hospital. I did the service uh, Thursday night and the graveside yesterday for Archie Griffith. So please remember his loved ones and also pray for the family of the Reverend Ricky Clower, who is a United Methodist pastor who has passed away. And so if you have a need by the lifting of your hand, the Bible says that God already knows the end from the beginning. And when you lift your hand, God already knows what we have in need of. So we're going to ask the Lord to be with us now. And I'm going to have us just to pray the way that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. You know, I could make my own prayer, but Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. So that's a good model, okay? And so let us pray together out loud, if you know the words, with me, the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I hope you're not in a big, big hurry, 
before you leave the service today because we have celebration. There has been cakes that have been made and brought in for fellowship for the birthday of Uzoma. Where is Uzoma? Somewhere here. I saw her in the back. Uzoma celebrated her birthday, and I like the way she says that. She says, I'm now living on the fifth floor. I like that. Some of us are living on higher floors than that, right? Some of us are about to go out the top. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and we're going to celebrate Landon's birthday, and he's living on the third floor. Does that tell you what we trying to do here. Anyway, there has been some cakes provided and Uzoma invites you to join her and all of us just for some cake, okay? What's that old saying? Eat cake. And you can do that today before you go, okay? Miss D, how are you today? You were teaching the choir something up there as we rehearsed. Can you step over here and tell everybody so they can help us, okay? I was just telling the choir earlier, uh, after we get through singing, we're going to do the sign for deaf applause, which is just your hands and shaking them beside your head, because of course this is something that they can't hear. So this, uh, this sign came about many, many years ago. It was actually um, one of the first deaf baseball players, uh, his name was Hoyt can't remember last name. Some of you baseball people would maybe know this, but they came up with signs because this man could not hear. So the uh, crowd in the audience would do this, and that way they were applauding him, but he can't hear this, so they would make it visual. So anyway, that's where this sign came from. Okay. So yes, I taught the choir to do this. All right, okay. <laughs> And guess what? I just put mine up and I don't even have to try. I'm, I guess I'm just automatically praising the Lord anyway. That's a good thing to be. Hey, that's just the reality of it. Every day I'll be somewhere in the building or at the door and somebody says, Ma'am, what are you shaking about? Uh, well, it's just the way it is. I'm shaking and rattling and rolling and praising the Lord and having a good time. Okay. So everybody do it together one more time. All right. All right, let's see, Landon, are you ready to take charge of the worship? So welcome, Landon, today, and uh, we'll move with our service. Long years ago, when out in sin, I had no Thank you. 
join in and help us on this song. Sing the chorus one more time. Everybody together. Did you enjoy the choir this morning?
made with frail human hands. But the enemy can scale and get to you. But there's one protecting me from the greatest enemy. It's a wall Satan cannot tunnel through. Sometimes a wall of grace, sometimes a wall of faith, other times it's mercy and the one for which I long and it makes the other strong I need a wall of prayer surrounding me now my brother when I'm weak could you stand Instead for me, pray a fortress round me strong that can't be moved. And I promise you today, when I bow my knees and pray, I'll do my best to build a wall of prayer for you. Sometimes a wall of grace, sometimes a wall of faith, other times it's just mercy I need. But the one for which and it makes the others strong. I need a wall of prayer surrounding me. I need a wall of prayer quiet. Blessed quietness. Where could we go but to the Lord? Sing the chorus with me today. time. 
right, for the last few weeks of the season of Pentecost, we have been talking <clears throat> about discipleship, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and the power that the Lord gives to us to go forth and make disciples for Jesus Christ. That is our mission statement. It should be familiar to most of us and hopefully will become something that each of us will live by, making disciples for Jesus Christ, for transformation of the world. And I should rephrase that, making disciples of Jesus Christ, because if we are not clear on what we're doing, we'll begin to make disciples of ourselves, right? We'll begin to make little clones of who we are and how we think it should be. And even the Apostle Paul, who wrote a great part of the New Testament, said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so Jesus has given us the model. And I'm going to be reading some verses of Scripture today, and those will be on the screen, but I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to try to lay a foundation for what I'm going to share with us today. But this is when Jesus begins the a preliminary call to his disciples to go out and to transform the world, to change the world around them. Someone had asked a question over the years, and it said, if your church or the church that you attend or the church building that you worship in was to blow away in a tornado or burn down in a fire or just lock the doors forever, would your community miss it? What kind of an impact, what kind of fallout would there be if your house of worship no longer exists? Now, I want you to keep in mind the church is not a building. How many of you thought, I'm going to get up and go to church today, right? But how many of you know that you are already the church? You are the church. I am the church. We are the church together. And the church will not be any stronger than any of us as we try to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So in these verses of Scripture, these 12 people Jesus sent out. Now this is in the beginning of his commissioning of the disciples. And he gave them the following instructions. Do not go anywhere among the Gentiles and do not enter into any town of the Samaritans. You go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember that scripture? He came to his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. Remember that? So keep that in mind. Proclaim as you go and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. You received without paying. Give without pay. That's something we live by here at Shades of Grace in all the ministry that we do. Freely we have received. Freely give. Okay, so keep that 
in mind today. Do not get gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or coats, or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter a house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon him. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of people. It says men, but it's men and women. It's all people. For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before the governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are going to say, for it will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So, I ha so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaimed on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Did y'all know that? Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men... I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father 
who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will become those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Wow, that's a lot of words to hear and thoughts to ponder upon today, isn't it? Now, if you remember the last few weeks, we've been talking about, again, as I said, discipleship. And last week, I asked that question that Jesus asked of his disciples, what shall it profit a person if he shall gain everything that is in the world and the world itself and lose his own soul or his own life? Or what shall a person give in exchange for his soul? So keep those thoughts in mind today as we see how Jesus sent the very first disciples out to change their corner of the world, to preach the good news of the kingdom of people of Israel, to the people of Israel. Wow, how many of you, when we were reading that lengthy discourse today thought that some of that didn't sound all that good. How many of you thought that sounded like good news? How many of you thought some of it was pretty harsh? Some of it was pretty rough. But you got to remember Jesus is first calling his people. Remember Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He is a Jewish man in first century of Christianity. And Jesus came to change the world. He didn't come to destroy the laws that all the people of the ages before him had lived by and the laws that govern their everyday affairs. He said, I have come to fulfill those laws. I've come to become the fulfillment of it. And so the people began asking him, what is the greatest of all the laws? Of the prophets and Jesus gave them differing answers and responses but the bottom line is this everything is all wrapped up in two thou shall love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself so having given these instructions to his early disciples he warns them what to expect. He gives them an opportunity to say, this sounds too hard for me, Master. You know, throughout the scriptures, Jesus had made invitations. We read recently of how he made a great feast and invited people from all walks of life to come, and they all begin to make excuses about how they would not receive the invitation. Remember that? Many are called, but few are chosen. And Jesus does not force anyone to follow him. And he's letting his early disciples know, 
if you follow me, it's not going to be a bed of roses. Everybody's not going to love you. Everybody's not going to be happy about it. And as a matter of fact, the scripture says we ought to be concerned when everybody says good of us. You remember that scripture? I paraphrase it. But, you know, if we're doing something for the kingdom of God's sake, we will be persecuted. Or at least we will be criticized at the very least, right? Everybody will not be happy with the decision to follow Jesus. But he's giving them warning that it's not always going to be easy. He tells them, though, to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He cautions them to be careful about the people who will meet him, them along the way. Because in the essence of what he's teaching here, all people are not to be trusted. Let your yea be yea. Let your nay be nay. Just yes or no. He says men will try you in the courts. They will beat you in the synagogues. And you will even some be brought with the punishment of death. So he gives them an opportunity to say, I believe I will decline the invitation. He encourages them, though, with the promise of inspiration during their hardships and assures each one of them that God will always be with them. Emmanuel, God with us. God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Aren't you thankful for that today? You know, sometimes in the world in which we live, we feel lonely, we feel in despair, we feel hopeless. We feel like the odds are stacked against us to the degree that we'll never be able to see the light of day again. And I meet people like that sometimes on a daily basis whose lives have fallen apart, whose hopes have vanished, and who are just existing and surviving. And somehow we as people of faith, we as modern-day disciples of Jesus, must be willing to offer hope Amen. that no one else will offer. What if nobody else offers hope? Are you going to wait and say, well, nobody else said anything, so I didn't say anything either? Right? How many of us are like people who wait for somebody else to rock the boat before we get involved? That, aren't we like that often in the church? But one reason is because we do not like conflict. I do not like conflict. But the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we must tell people that Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems of this world. In him we live and move and have our existence. He used many analogies and many parables and one of those he said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Somebody came by yesterday and they brought me a little plastic grocery bag and inside that bag was three onions and four new potatoes. And this person said, these are the first fruits from our garden, and we wanted you to have it. Now, those people are not here today, so I won't call their name. And I'm sure they gave it in 
uh, you know, so that it wasn't to be a big deal. But it was a big deal to me, and I appreciate that. And we are to always give our first fruits to the Lord and know that he is the one who will help us to continue bearing fruit. I told you last week, not just fruit, but much fruit. And then he says that your fruit might remain. I told you this story about many, many years ago. A young man who attended a church that I served, and he'd been in the Vietnam War, and he'd been through some really terrible tragedies of life, and people were afraid of him because of his problems that he had. He, he acted out sometimes in ways that people didn't understand. But on a church service one day, he stood up in the back of the church, and he said, Pastor Will, can I say something, please? I said, go ahead. And I never knew exactly what he was going to say, but you just be prepared for those kinds of things, right? And he said, I know that everybody here probably looks at me and maybe even with a judgmental thought that I don't have any Christian fruit. But he said, I want to tell everybody in this room, I have fruit in my life. They're just all green. They're not ripe. And I've never forgotten that. So we should never be judgmental of anybody who is seeking to do anything in the name of Jesus Christ because it may be their very best effort. Amen. Amen. And I'd much rather be thought of by God as someone who tried and failed than someone who just sat back and thought I would wait until everything perfect uh, fell into place for me to do something, right? I've made many, many mistakes in my life and ministry. And I've also learned many, many lessons. And we continue to learn every day and understand what discipleship is. Jesus had sent out to these people with some pretty serious thoughts to ponder. He said, first of all, don't take a bag with you. Now, these people were going out for an extended period of time. They weren't sure how long they're going to be gone. And he said, don't even take a satchel or a pocketbook with you. Now, right there, half the people in America today would have said, well, I can't do that. Because, I, you know, I'm one who, when I travel, I go on these long trips sometimes. I went to China years ago for 30 days and took one little satchel. That's it. But I've also had people travel with me, you know, on a short trip and take two big suitcases. Now, y'all understand where I'm coming from, right? I kind of hit a nerve on that one, I know, because I saw the chairs start doing this. See, I can tell. So that would have probably caused a lot of the people to say, well, you know, I, I can't do that. What am I going to do when I need a change of clothes? Can I tell you a little funny story? Y'all love my stories, don't you? Um, my, not my last trip three months ago to Israel, but before that, I think it was f four or five years ago, when I went to Israel, I wore 
things like this that could easily be worn, then turned inside out, worn again, and then washed in the sink and hung out to dry. And after about three or four days, you know, you're pretty well done with it, right? And so I, I did that and I put everything in a big garbage bag in the hotel way up in Galilee, about 70 miles from Jerusalem, with the intent that all of that would be just thrown away. I was done with it. I was coming home empty-handed. I didn't want to have all that luggage to bring back. And we toured for the day, made our way back to the hotel at Jerusalem before we would go to the airport at Tel Aviv. And guess what? There was a taxi drove up with a package. And they said, you left this behind and said, we had it all washed and pressed and ironed and tied together and we brought it back to you. That's a true story. Y'all like that story? So what did I do? Put it in my suitcase and carried it back home, Miss D. But when Jesus sent these disciples, he says, don't take anything extra. Don't take two coats. Don't take script or money. Just go and trust God to guide you. How many of you know that wherever God guides, God always provides? Amen? Amen. And I have to say right here that when we began this ministry nine years ago, starting next week, we will begin our 10th year of ministry in a storefront ministry called Shades of Grace. And as you know, when the bishop appointed me to this work, there was no money, there was no building, there was no congregation due to a long situation that's too much to go into now. And I was told you are appointed to the streets of Kingsport, Tennessee. Go do it. And so for that first month, I was in shock. <laughs> Rode around looking at places. I thought I need us. I knew God was calling us to a storefront ministry. I still didn't know what that all involved. But for the first month, I drove around and I looked at these places out in the parts of town. And here we are, no uh, congregation, no offerings. Got to get started. And the rent on some of these places were like eight and $10,000 a month, you know, that kind of thing. And I just wrote around and I said, Lord, I know. Remember that song we sang last week? I know, I know. I know that God said do it. And so we started at the end of July in Mayfair United Methodist Church Basement Fellowship Hall. And for 11 weeks, we met in that fellowship hall while we were searching out. And this is the place we landed right here, God's living room, the very place that God preordained for this ministry to be. And you know, this ministry would not exist at anywhere else. I believe that with all my heart. It's called prevenient grace. We are where God wanted us to be, not where I necessarily wanted to be. And on that first Sunday in Mayfair, our offering was $11,000 with 78 people. Amen. 
And I know, and we continue to know even today, we say Shades of Grace will never have a yard sale or a bake sale. We never put a price upon anything that we do in the name of Jesus Christ. Because as I read to you, freely we have received, freely we give. And we're the only United Methodist congregation that I am aware of. Now I'm not saying there couldn't be somewhere, but we have never, and Steve is our lay leader from day one, have never had a finance committee meeting and we have never set a budget. And here we are starting our 10th year. Can you do this? You ought to get in high motion. Ooh, you know. How do you do it real loud, Miss D? There we go. That's worth praising the Lord for, right? Amen. Now, I'm, I just like telling the stories of Jesus and his grace and his love. But you see, it's all about being willing to say, Lord, I'll do it. Some of these disciples that Jesus called, uh, you know, he said many were called and few were selected, few, few were chosen. The ones who were chosen are the ones who said, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it and I'm not going to worry anything about the results. Leave it up to the Lord. And that's when Jesus said, the foxes have holes to go into in the earth, the birds of the air have nests to sleep in, but he said, I, the Son of Man, have no place to lay my head. He was letting them know it's not going to be easy. The birds and the animals will have a better life in that sense. If you're looking for security, if you're looking for worldly security, right? Y'all know where I'm going with this? But Jesus said, be like the birds of the air. God feeds them. And what about the flowers that bloom, the lilies? God takes care of it all. All we have to do is be willing. God will provide if we will trust him. How many of you know that with all your heart? This may just turn into a pep rally today, you know. But we need to understand that God is with us. And I love that song that uh, all, everything that belongs to heaven is mine. Is that how that song went? All that heaven has, all that heaven holds is mine. Wow. We have become heirs with Jesus Christ and joint heirs with God. And God is the one who is our sustainer, our provider, and who will never, ever leave us alone in life. But Jesus did let them know, you've got to trust me more than you trust yourself. You've got to trust me more than you trust anybody else in the world in order to take up the cross and follow me. Now, one of those phrases in that scripture that I read when Jesus was telling them, he said, you will not have gone through all of the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Now, that's kind of a mysterious verse and a lot of scholars look at that in several different ways. And Jesus often spoke in dark sayings that the people did not have ears to truly understand all, right? He spoke in parables and Jesus said, whoever has an ear to understand, you'll understand it. But sometimes 
It's down the road. Sometimes it's not right now. As the scripture says, sometimes it's by and by. But the bottom line of all of that, when all the theological discussions have been finished and everybody's opinions have been settled, what I get of that is the work of discipleship never will end. The work of being a disciple for Jesus will never cease. There will never be, uh, there will always be help wanted signs hanging out on the church. Amen. You know, we are in the season after the Sunday of Pentecost and we think about the church and Jesus said upon this rock, I, the profession that Jesus is the Christ that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we understand that God will supply whatever we need, even in the very toughest and roughest of circumstances and places. That's just the reality of it. And so we have to just be faithful and persistent and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you to the best of my ability. I don't understand. I don't know why. There's a whole lot of things I don't understand. But one thing I know that I am certain of, I saw, I saw someone on Facebook this morning made a post and said, uh, does anybody know of any places in Kingsport that need servers? And I thought, well, this person probably needs to get out just a little bit and ask a few questions, I think they'll get their answer, right? Sometimes we just want somebody else to give us the answer, right? And sometimes the answer isn't the best answer for us. But the church of Jesus Christ, not a denomination, not a building, not stained glass and pipe organs, but the church of Jesus Christ the organism of living people, past and present and future. Do you know many in the church who've gone on centuries before us are in what is called the great cloud of witnesses and they're cheering us on? Did you know that? They're somewhere in the grandstands of God's arena and they're cheering us on. Don't give up, don't grow weary. I have a friend who often says it's a good life. It's a great life if you don't weaken. I'll let y'all guess who that is. That's your quiz for today. But it is a great life if we trust Jesus and realize that open under the same management for over 2,000 years. Now, I don't know of any other business that has a record like that, do you? but it's real. God is with us. And Jesus is warning those disciples to not be sidetracked by the pressures of life and the threats of the world. Don't give in to the bullies of life. Amen. God loves us today. God loves you. I want you, when you get an opportunity later today or this week, to reread those verses that I gave to you today. 
And if you need to know what they are, Jimmy has them on the screen. You can pull your phone out and take a picture of it, okay? Or you can write it down. Or if you've got a really good memory, you can just say, you know, stick it here, okay? But I want you to read that and understand that this was the initial call to the early disciples. And then eventually, the Bible says, as his own people rejected him, he did send the message to the Gentiles and to the Samaritans and to whosoever will. The message is for all people. Amen. I'm so thankful about that today. God doesn't have favorite children. Jesus loves us today. Landon, can you find us something to sing together? Did Miss D preach all right today? Thank you, Miss D. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, all of you, everyone who helped to make this a service of worship and thanksgiving to our living God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is it? Okay. All right. Let's see. Landon's going to have to play for himself today. And Miss Uzoma, let me do this. We've got Miss Uzoma on the fifth floor, Lennon on the third floor. Anybody else on a different floor today than you were last week or last month? You're on the second? I beg to differ. <laughs> either, either life has really been hard on you or you've been a bad boy. <laughs> okay. Yes, Miss Uzoma. Did we find one you don't know? He doesn't know it, Yuzoma. All right. But remember, yeah, we do, gotta, we do got to sing happy birthday. Come on. 
this is not on the record, Jimmy, okay? We're, we're just doing it on whatever you, hey, Jimmy's in charge. What, whatever Jimmy says will be all right with me. He's the techno geek. Okay, whatever floor you are on, there's enough cake for you, okay? And if you're diabetic, uh, there will be a floor down here that we'll be picking you up from, okay? <laughs> so just keep that in mind as well. We understand. <laughs> okay, we got our last laugh in. God bless you. Go in peace. In the name of Jesus, recovery meeting Monday at 5, uh, Bible study Wednesday at 1, and church worship Saturday at 10.30.